Mitchell, welcome to, uh, well, I think episode 21 of the Periscope Edge podcast. And one of my favorite things about this is the people who sit across from this little table I have here continue to become more and more diversified. Uh, Kate is back for the third week in a row, which is great. Um, we were joking a little bit, and she's like, oh, it feels like it's my hundredth podcast. No, wait, I can't believe it's only my third, or what'd you say? Only it was, my third. It only feels like it's been a hundred. And then I responded, and, yeah, et cetera, you know, and, and she's been an awesome asset to this. Um, she's also continuing to bring in more and more guests, which I think have been fun because we started with, you know, the person who sits next to her, and then we went to the interns. And today she reached, well, not really across the river, down the road. Road from us. Um, <laughs> Lindsay Jones is here with us, a University of Minnesota law student. I asked, you know, what kind of status. It was second year. And, mm-hmm. and Lindsay, how many years do you think are you going to be in law school for? Is it is it three or is it a lot more than that? It's three years, but I feel like for the next eternity, I will be a cog in the machine. Of a cog in the machine. <laughs> so complex. can we say you're two thirds done? Like you're over halfway, light at the end of the tunnel? Light at the end of the tunnel. I'll be starting my second year in the fall, so okay. it's like two more years. For two me. more years. Oh, so one third of the way there. And and I and I think <laughs> I think having a law student on the podcast for some may seem a little out there, but I promise you, there's a reason we are doing this, and we are super pumped to have Lindsay here. But Lindsay, tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you land at the U? What are you studying? Why do you love law? Et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So as Carter mentioned, my name is Lindsay Jones. Um, I've been passionate about um, creative industries for a long time. I used to work in professional sports, and then I worked in the music industry. And from there, I started working at an entrepreneurial law firm. All of those experiences sort of meshed together, um, entertainment spectacles, creativity, and the law. And I think it's really allowed me to use my skill sets, and especially my legal skill sets, to support entrepreneurs and creative people with um, huge ideas and help them make those ideas possible. That's awesome. And and legal. And legal. You're right. Legal. Well, and that's the thing. We were, uh, it's a very, very good point, Kate. We were having a conversation uh, as we were kind of getting ready for this whole thing and realizing that some of the shenanigans that we pulled back in college that were a little more, <laughs> I, I thought were innocent and, and a little more, you know, we talked about the domain registering of, of things or people you don't like and we quickly realized <laughs> thanks to the counsel of Lindsay that that was far illegal and thankfully we're still here here today, uh, not in jail. So that is all good. So we talked about this a little bit here just a few minutes ago, but why the heck do we have a law student on the Periscope Edge podcast? And I think, you know, before we get started every week, we do this disclaimer about how, you know, we're an agency here in Minneapolis and we do our best to talk about certain topics that have to do with the advertising world somewhat in general, specifically focusing on kind of new and emerging trends. And usually we focus on tech and things like that. But what I love is when we dive into things that might seem a little out there. And I think it's fun because we dive into to these kind of you know, kind of unique topics, but yet still can pull out some things that are really important to our industry and really kind of get some really interesting stories um, as we kind of cruise through. So without further ado, we're going to dive into a specific case, right? Is that how we call it? It's a case? Yeah, we can call it the Slants Decision. The Slants Decision? Okay. And and if for some of you who are fans of the band, the Slants, you know, and I had heard of them, I hadn't necessarily been a huge fan, Mm -hmm. but I'd actually heard a little bit about this case before, but just in the, you know, in the warm up and conversation we had as we walked over here to the little studio we have set up, I learned a ton more. So, Lindsay, could you talk a little bit about what the Slants decision is and and just kind of describe kind of the situation that we found ourselves in um, as this case moved forward? Yeah, gladly. So um, about three weeks ago, the Supreme Court issued an opinion uh, in a case called Matal versus Tam, um, which is commonly referred to as the Slants decision, which extends the First Amendment's freedom of speech protection to trademarks deemed derogatory in nature. 
Um, the decision was a victory, like you said, for an Asian-American band dubbed The Slants, who wished to reclaim or possibly rebrand the brand's <laughs> name, which is a derogatory term for Asian people. Um, so originally, The Slants sought a federal, federal registration of their band name, and they were denied that registration by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office under a Lanham Act provision, which prohibited the registration of trademarks that may disparage or offend. Okay, so back up two seconds. So the band, The Slants, wanted to trademark their name. Yep. Why would they want to do that in the first place? So they would want to trademark their name because when you trademark something like an image mark or a name mark, you're sort of letting the world know that that's your unique identifier, that um, in protecting that, you are keeping the dilution of that name by other people using it um, from uh, hopefully deteriorating your brand equity. So imagine the situation that they found themselves in as the slants became more and more popular, as it became not just a garage band or whatever, they started making some money, they started to see imitators show up or people try to mimic the music or the brand or whatever that might mean. And without this trademark, Anyone could do so. Right. Right. Exactly. And so it was a threat. Sell merch with the slants name on it. uh, Make a profit outside of or to the exclusion of the slants. And it was a threat, basically, to their brand. Correct. And so they went through and tried to do the trademark, but it was denied. It was. And it was denied specifically because of this act. And what was the act's name? Uh, The Lanham Act. The Lanham Act, which which makes it illegal to trademark or attempt to trademark something that is deemed derogatory or inappropriate. Sure, derogatory could offend any person's living or dead. So it's a really broad range. Um, And offend is really not defined, right? What does it mean to offend? Um, I mean, there are a lot of people who may be offended by a lot of things. It's... It's a vast area. Right? <laughs> so, so minus is, so the Supreme Court had kind of a foundation they stood on a little bit with this, right? You know, they talked about how their job is to like defend the general public and this potentially was offensive to them. Explain that a little bit. Right. So the Supreme Court ultimately ruled that speech can't be banned on the ground that it expresses ideas that offend. Um, ultimately, they are saying, you know, the First Amendment protects free speech and, and that means individual's ability and and opportunity to say things that aren't appropriate or that do offend or that strike a chord that may that may ring strongly um, one way or another with others and so uh, during an oral argument for the slants decision this past january an understanding of trademarks as a vehicle for commercial products and services was actually noted by several justices who acknowledge that provocative names are chosen by individuals and firms for the actual purpose of advertising Uh, this is um an opportunity for people to, of course, use free speech and maybe use it in a way that does offend um, as an opportunity to make their branding or make their mark on some sort of competitive industry a little bit bolder, a little bit more competitive. Yeah. And honestly, I think opinions sway on this decision. I mean, people obviously do not want to be offended in everyday life coming into contact with advertisers. Well, would you say, too, it's it's not necessarily the fact. Well, obviously, that is a huge point. Like, you don't necessarily want to be offended. And there is some. But also, too, it's like, is it the role of our, you know, is is it the government's job to promote by like legitimizing it it almost seems like yeah. right and i guess there's both sides you know i don't necessarily know this case <laughs> enough to have a personal opinion no, on it but i think it's totally like right. you have one side it's like well who's the government to legitimize something that might be inappropriate right. or offensive to a certain group but then you know the other side might say 
well, who's it for the government to define what's appropriate or not appropriate? Exactly. You know, so you have both sides of the equation. But yeah. it came out 8-0, right? Yep, yep. Um, and I think people shouldn't be shocked that it came out 8-0 in it was favor in, of it, the slams. Okay, it was in favor. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's the Supreme Court's job to protect infringements on our rights and speech like we said, shouldn't be banned because it's a, it's offensive, and that applies to trademarks and branding as well. Okay, so you mentioned trademarks and branding, and yes. we talked a lot about the ban, the slants, mm-hmm. and we have an almost lawyer, right? Would that be a great way to, to say <laughs> Future it? Future lawyer of America. Future lawyer of America, giving <laughs> you know, giving us the awesome background of it. But we sit here in, in you know, an advertising agency in the middle of Minneapolis, right? Mm-hmm. How is this going to affect us here? And how is this going to affect the work we do? Knowing moving forward, the Supreme Court ultimately decided that this is okay and, and awarded it. And we'll go into a little more detail too. But rewind a little bit. We're listening to this because we're in the ad industry, right? And we work with brands mm-hmm. each and every day. How, how is this going to affect the work we do? Yeah, I think first and foremost um – You know, we just have to be aware that the floodgates are now open in terms of trademarks, branding, naming rights. I mean, anything that was previously denied under that provision of the Lanham Act is now open and good to be registered on a federal level. And so, you know, as far as um, products standing out in the marketplace, um, you know, and creative thinking of interesting brand names that potentially toe a line, they're now good to go for all of that. Um, so that's just sort of generally for advertising. And good to go is a loaded statement. Yeah. And we'll talk about <laughs> that, mean, right? Like, yeah. And I would tend it's to not say, all good. <laughs> I would tend to say that, you know, at, at the apex of this decision, the slant decision has provided additional protections to individuals and brands, and it has also provided creative authority to strategic communications professionals and the brands they partner with. And that's directly from... Your, is that your analysis of it, or is this from the actual decision that the Supreme so Court... So this is actually my analysis of the case. Um, right. Because it has a huge effect on us. Like, as strategic communication partners, yeah. as you called it, you know, in, in this case, the band, obviously, the slants was defending their case, right? But mm-hmm. we go to bat each and every day for, obviously, the majority of the time, our well-established brands. But as we look mm-hmm. to make a... And you mentioned this, Kate, or, you know, I forget which one of you, you talked about it, but, like, <laughs> the idea of having a bold statement in the market, we realize that mm-hmm. some of these statements might not be the most G-rated things in the world, right? Yeah. And I think I think that's really interesting. So, Kate, you had a long list of other reasons yes. why it applied to us. I would just like love to hear what, what those yeah. are. Yeah. Um, so, for the advertising agency or advertising industry in general, um, you know, like I said, this is a win for brands whose harmless, silly trademarks were maybe deemed a little too offensive as they can now go and apply for federal trademark registration. Um, but I also think, you know, there's this creative aspect of branding, uh, which is now less limited, which we're going to be very happy about. But there's also a dark side to the decision. Um, so coming from a public relations background, um, that's sort of one of my focuses when I studied in undergrad. I can't help but worry that this opens up brands to potential consumer backlash and severe segmentation. Um, You know, when you're thinking about um, brands that are maybe a little edgier, a little more offensive, um, you're going to have maybe a small consumer base, um, you know, and maybe that's your target client, and that's why you choose to do that kind of branding and register a trademark that's maybe offensive, but you might not also have 
a large target audience to pull from because most of the time people will probably go with the more traditional branding choices and not um, the branding choices that maybe disrupt the market but so if much. But you, if you dilute that even further, it's this idea that the power is in the consumer's hands, right? Like I totally. have the ability to purchase products for brands that I agree with and I have the ability to purchase products from brands that represent my values. And I think if we continue to go down that road, which we won't, this is a whole other podcast, but yeah. like this trend of transparency in brands, everything from you know the supply chain and where they're getting the mm-hmm. products and how they're being made, well, you zoom all the way to the storefront or the, and all of a sudden we're talking about the name, right? And, mm-hmm. and the ability for the name to necessarily not offend, but relate. And, and now mm-hmm. the idea is that anything's on the table, but yet there's still responsibilities. And I think that's a huge point that you make, Carter, in terms of um, recognizing that consumers do have unique tastes and preferences, and those tastes and preferences drive um, market share, and they drive the way that um, brands should be placed within a certain marketplace. Mm-hmm. And you know, along with that goes the understanding that while, as Kate said, you know, the floodgates are open in terms of branding and trademarking and tr- sort of creating um, an image for what a brand should be, and and, and hopefully seeking. Uh, legal opportunities to make that clear. Um, Of course, market forces will prevent certain brands from hopefully crossing a line from what's Mm -hmm. maybe original and novel content to what's offensive and inappropriate and um, deemed unworthy of being something that's um, taking taking hold of, of any sort of industry. And so, so the hope of the consumer market will police itself is the idea. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's interesting because the slant's decision has kind of, from just the last 10 minutes we've been talking, has made it a point to say the government has no place to say what's offensive and what's not in this specific case. Mm-hmm. It is up for well, but then <laughs> but then you fall back on this idea that you know the consumers or the world, as you mentioned, will deem what is too much. Yeah, and I think it's it's maybe faith in a collective unconscious, or as Kate said, it's also maybe an opportunity for brands to seek out the consumers that they think their brand identifies most with, and get those consumers to um, rally support and. and and to the extent that they may alienate certain consumers that don't support their brand, maybe that is the desired impact or outcome of, of their branding efforts. Totally. And you had some interesting examples. We talked about a few brands yeah. that had done this, and and there was a couple names that just sounded wrong, yes. right? Um, and I think, you know, that that's an interesting, very literal point. But then we also have some mainstream brands yeah, that are sometimes yeah, not towing the line of what we would say, well, who am I to deem what in, what's inappropriate or not? You know, yeah. I'm not. I, I, you <laughs> We're know. all so scared to be like, we are not not like yeah the right right what is offensive and what is not but i think you know no matter what your opinions are on certain subjects you have brands that have come out specifically with some yep. of the more high profile type of decisions mm-hmm. to whether they support or deny or whatever that might be and, and you have a couple examples Keith. yeah absolutely so some of the mainstream examples and this goes more with brand messaging um, which we all know ties directly into brands trademarks all of that stuff so chick-fil-a um came out a few years ago against gay marriage, uh, saying that they support the biblical definition of the family unit and got a lot of backlash in the press, but many shared these views and brand loyalists continued even more fervently to support the business um, and it actually caused a revenue growth of $600 million. And so that's sort of an example where this 
offensive brand messaging where it's offensive to some, some people support that. And right. that's, you know. So it's offensive to some, so they, they'll lose yeah. a segment, but it also yeah. resonates positively with others. Yeah. And so they'll they'll gain. Yeah. And as it would show, it, it potentially targeted mm-hmm. their specific market they were going yeah. after. Yeah, and a lot of groups, you know, that our anti-gay marriage really rallied. I mean, Mm -hmm. like I said, um, I don't know if I touched on this before, but I think a good tagline for all of this is powerful branding means passionate enemies and foes. Totally. And so, yeah, they had a lot of people actually rally behind them. But on the flip side, so if we look at the subject of gay marriage, you have the exact flip side with another, you know, very small brand, Starbucks, right? (laughs) Um, Never heard of it. Never heard of them. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, you have the exact opposite, right? Yeah. Um, So Starbucks announced their unwavering support of gay marriage in 2013, which reinforced the company's advocacy for the legislation um, dating back to 2012. They were met with backlash from the National Organization for Marriage, but Starbucks still saw a 15% revenue growth um, in 2012, and it continued into 2013. So even with the backlash, it didn't touch them. And we're not surprised by that. Just like Chick-fil-A, right? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's like both sides of the coin neither of them were actually negatively effective, which I think is kind of interesting when we're talking about, you know, social cause marketing and the social conscious pushing offensive brands out of the market. It doesn't always work. But you talk about towing the line, right? And I think like this is such a great um, example of how important it is to understand your consumers and and, like what is important to them. And it's not just if they like chicken or not like chicken or like, you know, black coffee or don't like black coffee. I think understanding the values and and how... closely or how much those types of things affect their purchasing decisions and i yeah. you know and i am not anyone to to <laughs> dive into that you know obviously on a podcast like this but i think it's interesting to see how stances that companies are making are having such a huge effect on sales and growth mm-hmm. and reach, et cetera, et cetera, which I think is yeah. fascinating. It's very, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. Well, and Starbucks and Chick-fil-A aren't the only ones. Like, there's some other, like, more, like, literal <laughs> names yeah, that are out there. Yeah, there's some goofy ones. Um, so, like, I pulled a few funny examples, like, in movies um, for branding. You know, you have Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Snakes on a Plane, which were both kind of controversial titles, and they, they got a lot of earned media attention, and consumers instantly either loved or hated the film, basically based on the title alone, um, which I thought was really funny. And then, you know, you have plays that are trying to stand out, and obviously that's a a huge marketplace. There's so many plays. There's Broadways. You have Off-Broadway. You have so many things. And you think of the vagina monologues. And, you know, they created a lot of controversy with naming, um, you know, their performance that, and a lot of intrigue. And, again, a lot of great earned media attention. And their consumer bases are people that want that kind of branding. You know, they, they want it to be out Well, and very successful things, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right. So we talked about the slants. That was that was perfect. We took from music and we looked yeah. at saying the floodgates are open, <laughs> yeah. the, the Supreme Court. Lindsay, you have two more years of law school <laughs> and you, you took this decision pretty, you, you focused in on this, sure. clearly. What's the next, what's your next kind of vendetta and what's your next focus after the slants, or the slants decision? Do you have the next project on, on your list or, or what's the next six months for you? For me, um, you know, professionally, my area of focus is certainly intellectual property law where, like I mentioned earlier, legal has an opportunity to meet and support creative initiatives. 
Um, so I run a blog. Uh, it's called Eclectic, where I look at aspects of popular culture through a legal lens. Um, that is freaking awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, thank so you. give me an example of, of a post Home that the you've biggie. done. The biggie. Yeah, oh, so yeah. Biggie. Okay, yeah. Tell, me about the, tell me about the biggie Tupac setup. So uh, I didn't get to give a shout out, but currently I work at an entrepreneurial law firm in Northeast. Uh, it's boutique. It's really dope. It's called Entrepreneur Law Firm. Okay, tell us about that. That don't, Give a shout out and give then tell us what, what you do because I think it's so important. Important. Yeah, I actually worked with a, a group at the University of Minnesota when I was in their entrepreneurship program that did something I would say similar, but probably on a much smaller scale. But sure. explain what mm-hmm. you do there. Sure. So um, I work for a law firm that um, really considers itself non-traditional. Uh, like I said, it's considered a boutique law firm. Um, we've got more of an ad agency vibe. Uh, you know, yes. pantsuits and briefcase needs not apply. It's, really, <laughs> it's, really, uh, it's a really kickback place, but um, the work we do is awesome. We support a lot of, um, like I said, local entrepreneurs who have big ideas. We help um, we help them uh, make those ideas possible, and obviously a, a big focus of that is um, you know focusing on their branding strategies yeah, from totally. time to time, yeah. and you know advising them legally on um, a vast area of business expertise um, that helps them sort of hone in on those on those concepts. So, um, anyways, okay, give I, me a, yeah, the biggie. The yeah, biggie so the biggie, yeah, yeah. So we gotta get back. To I'm passionate. <laughs> I'm passionate about. Um, hip-hop, especially some of the golden era of hip-hop greats <laughs> like uh, Biggie Smalls and Tupac. And so one of my recent blog posts focused on uh, the Kardashian-Jenner family. Uh, as most people know, or at least most people listening to this podcast now know, um, uh, the two Jenner sisters created a t-shirt brand that had um, the faces of Biggie, Tupac, I think they had some Ozzy Osbourne, Ozzy Osbourne some, other, yeah. some other great music legends um, with their, their own faces actually superimposed over these people. And, um, unfortunately, they Wait, were Wait, so the, the Jenners? The Jenners. Yeah. Right. Face was on top of the Tupac face. Yeah, right. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so, just wanted to make sure we were clear yeah, on this clear whole thing. whose face was on whose. Yeah. So, um, you know, these these T-shirts were um, they were one hundred twenty five dollars each. So they were they weren't cheap T-shirts. These were not means. like buy in the corner yeah, type no. T-shirts. Right. So they <laughs> okay. were hoping certainly to make you know significant profits on it, and they're sort of you know um, pull from. Biggie Smalls to make mo money turned into a whole lot more problems for them when uh, they uh, it came out sort of through through the grapevine that they had not asked um, Biggie Smalls, Tupac, any of their you know estates or um, you know respective families to use their image and likeness on these T-shirts. So it was obviously you know in violation of copyright or trademark law um, to to use this and then put it in print. And so um, cease and desist were sent, and I got to sort of use this. Um, this pop culture opportunity to talk about important concepts in, in, in legal affairs that are great for entrepreneurs or just, um, you know, your average Joe to know, I think. And tell them how you ended it. How I ended it. Well, I'm uh, <laughs> using the opportunity to talk about notices of cease and desist, which were sent to stop the Jenners from making the T-shirts. Um, I thought it was a great opportunity for the Jenners to be put on notice by, uh, by the estates of Tupac and Biggie that if you don't know... Now you know. Wow. So you brought it all the way back. That's the best all the part. Way back. All the way back, yes. All so. right. So that's just one example, and I'm sure your blog has a ton of other things that you're yep. working on, which I think you know is fascinating. Give us the URL of that again. What's it called? Uh, so it's called Eclectic Blog. Um, it's just a source of a lot of um, different uh, ideas, information, um, sort of relevant topics. Um, and the URL, I think Kate said she will include it. Yeah, we'll include yeah, it in, we'll in all the, of the, the description. Podcast. 
description. Podcast, yeah, yeah, we'll include in the podcast. So in the description, we'll have a link to all of that. Um, I'm excited to go and dive in and yeah. read more about it. That's yeah. fascinating. <laughs> so this lance is just one blip on one, the radar. One for, blip on the radar. Yeah, on yeah. to the next uh, relevant topic, hopefully. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> well, Lindsay, we are so pumped to have you here. Thank you times a million. I think, you know, the, this one was a little more diversified. We've done some really mm-hmm. interesting topics over the last 10 weeks. But I think what's interesting is we took something that, you know, the slants, a modern band, a challenge that they had, you know, they submitted this trademark and, and, and it was originally kind of put up for contest and eventually it was passed through, opening the floodgates as we talked about really to, I wouldn't say offensive brands, but, um, <laughs> you know, we basically had decided or the government had decided that they, there's no place for them to decide what's offensive and what's not, giving, you know, us the opportunity to really kind of push the boundaries of what that means, but also understanding that just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, understanding your consumer and understanding the ways that they relate to that name is huge because um, if you if you cross it, it could be an interesting setup. So um, anyways, with that, thank you so much for listening. Um, as I always mention at the end of the podcast, the things we talk about here are our own opinions. We do our best to um, highlight some stuff that's important to us. And obviously with experts like Lindsay here, we go a little <laughs> step further, but that's awesome. Um, do us a favor and jump on uh, Lindsay's blog, which I'm super pumped to dive into here after the podcast. And with that, uh, we'll talk to you later. Have a great day. Catch. I'm feeling like a catch right now. Believing anything is possible. Oh, since I laid my eyes on you, I've got the moves.